Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, July 14th. This is episode 92. I am Tony. I am Dennis. Hi, Hi Tony. Dennis. Oh, we didn't even plan that. No, we don't. We've known each other too long. Too long. So people ask me all the time, what what does Tony do? Does he really just work all the time? And I'd say, yes, he does. But what's what's happened since since the last episode? I think. I know I've talked about it with you. I might have talked about it on the podcast. I don't remember. But I had picked up a little... In table at a garage sale that matched an old antique leather top table that I had. And I used to combine that with a new lamp my wife got me for Father's Day and the lazy boy that I got from you to create a little reading nook. Okay. And that's been there. I'm pretty sure I've talked about it. I'm not positive. I don't remember. It's been a long time. But I don't think you did on air. Yeah, I can't remember. I talked to so many people about stuff. Yeah. There was a problem with my reading nook. There's two problems with my reading nook. One of the problems I haven't fixed is my reading nook took what was my pinball space. So right, but you don't currently have a pinball, so that's not that's not a a crisis. It's not a crisis. Uh, The other problem was it turned out that my 32 inch TV, where my 32 inch TV was setting, wasn't big enough for where my reading nook was Mm. for me to set in the lazy boy and actually play games on the TV. Right, you wouldn't be able to read anything. because I couldn't read anything. I couldn't tell the UI or any of that stuff. So I did last weekend. The only thing that was the possible answer for a problem like that, I went out and bought a 50 inch 4k TV and put it on and put it in on my desk instead of the 32 inch. So uh, uh, now I can see and do everything fine because I mean, that's a decent upgrade in television Mm -hmm. from a, from a 32 inch 1080 to a 50 inch 4k. Yeah. That's a pretty big upgrade. And you know how many games I've played on it? Probably zero. Tetris. Well, but now you can see each individual line of the block. Yes. You're probably much more accurate with yes. this this degree of uh, sight depth. Yes, I, I'm be, so much better at Tetris. would be my thinking. But yeah, no, I've played Tetris on it so far. Mm-hmm. And I did what I almost always do when I set up something like that and try it out for the first time. I watched The Martian. Oh. And it's nice. Nice. HDR? Yeah. I figured at this point. Yes. It's pretty prolific at this stage. Yeah. And they're affordable now. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. It, it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's not like Bob's brand TV. It's a, it's a Vizio. I mean, I that might be what mine was. Yeah. I don't remember. Whatever mine was, was a Christmas gift, whatever was on sale. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm not able to go to a, like a Sony or a Samsung. That's just crazy. I mean, that's like pinball machine money there, but it, it, it's good. I got a, I, it was on sale. I got a real good price on it. So I was pretty happy with that. Awesome. The other thing is it's work related. Um, but it's going to sound like stuff people have heard before, except for it's me this time instead of you. Mm. Um, and it's not nearly as off putting bad to a start. We had a superintendent retire where with your situation, it was a, a non continuance of a contract. Right. Um, and I was asked to take over as the interim superintendent until they can hire superintendent. So I am now officially, as of tomorrow morning, the interim superintendent. Cool. So congratulations. Thank you. Hopefully, I'll be able to remove the interim. Hopefully, after the interview processes are over. But I mean, that's we're running it. It's for running for about a month. So okay, yeah, that's a, that's yeah, pretty yeah, standard. Yeah, we've got a closing date 
there's a closing date at the beginning of August for the position. So mm-hmm. I should know by the end of August one way or the other. So, yay. Yeah. Now I get to do even more work because I still have to do my old job. Yeah. No, the new job. being an interim is actually probably just about the worst thing. I had so I was so, I can't remember the last time I was so stressed as I was when I was interim. Now that actually learning this new job, but not as interim was easier than being interim. When, and I knew what to do as interim because right. I knew that place inside and out. But it was just still doing the old job on top of it was very... And they were not quick. So yeah. they did not just like, oh, we're going to get this job list and we're going to have it open for a month. My last day of work was when they finally contracted with an entity to go about and do a hire. And they still don't have their new person in place. They have them picked. They start September. So it's been... What, nine months? It was, wasn't like October or November last he was, year? They formally voted to not renew the executive director's contract in mid-October. Yeah. They put me in as interim in mid-November because they wanted to just pay him and not have him work anymore after that point. They were going to, they're running out his contract, basically. Right. Uh, and then I took the job that I now have. I accepted it in mid-February because they still hadn't started a search and I didn't know if I was going to get it or not. That it's mid-July, and they still haven't started the person. Right, right. Because, the well, they tried to hire someone, and then that person, they couldn't come to an agreement on the contract, so then they had to go to their second pick, who didn't have high demands, other than they needed, like, over a month still with their current employer, or wanted over a month. So I think, technically, they're starting right at the end of August to get the insurance kicked in, but, but really, it's of September 1. Right. So, yeah, it's been... And they've known since... August or September that they weren't going to renew the prior person. So it's been about a year since they knew and they just drug their feet. It was, it was not ideal. Yeah. But this happens with volunteer boards. I mean, yeah. So yeah. I can, I can see. My new volunteer board is much, much more enjoyable to work for. At least the executive committee, they're engaged. So it makes my life easier. And thank you for listening to the podcast. Yes. Thank you for listening, <laughs> thank you for listening to the podcast, everyone. A few of them know I do podcasts because they, sometimes I give a presentation and my, personality or how i present in personality uh they go why do you do it like the way you do it and i said <laughs> podcasting is why i do it this way podcasting this is like i know what the people want <laughs> unlike zach many i know what they really want they want whatever i'm serving them except when they don't and then they write in and they tell me i don't like what you did dennis and i go okay that's good to know i so, get, i get that too so there's my exciting news. Yes, so that was, pretty I mean, exciting. So, see, pretty see exciting. it wasn't all work. It wasn't related. all work. I it do was, work. I, I have to admit, I put a lot of time into work. I have to let you know because, well, I'll, I'll touch on it here in a moment during my intro. But so, um, yesterday I went to a pinball party mm-hmm. in an area. Jeff C. Uh, hosted. He called, he called it his random gravity arcade party. I wasn't able to attend because of my. Work. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, Jeff is, he's known in the community. They might not know, they might not know that they know him in the community, but they, he's done some color DMD colorizations, I believe multiple. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, ooh, throwing this, throwing my notepad everywhere. Uh, so a lot of people have seen his work, but I'd only ever been to his house once before years ago, uh, to consider a trade. I had a game that he was thinking about getting and he had a game that I was thinking about getting and so he had me come to take a look at the game at that point. So it's, his lineup was significantly different than, than then. Uh, he's got a lot of very high end pins. So like 
he works on them and makes them look really, really nice. So there wasn't a single pin there that I would look at and go, that's a player's condition pin. These are, it's not all send them out to high end pins and have them redone. He does them. Yeah. But you've got the, you know, he, so he has the A-list Williams games. He has some of the, uh, most popular EMs, things like that. And, um, so I got to play Guns N' Roses, the non Jersey Jack version, cause he had it. He, had a, he has a room, which was like the, I almost thought it was the non Williams room, but it was actually a, a mix of like Daddy East games and some of the maybe less popular Williams stuff. He had a jackpot, so I finally got to. You got to play jackpot. Yeah, I can't. Re- I think I played it before, but I, I know. I thought we played one as a group at Texas, yeah. like the first yeah, year. So I, I got think. a little bit more time on. He had a Capcom Flipper football, uh, which is the weird, yeah, uh, weird soccer game. So that was really cool. One of the things that you would have found cool was one of the area players, Mark M, came up to me and said to let you know that he went and bought an air fryer because of what you said. On the last episode. And he should be happy with it. And he it. loves it. It's amazing. It's, a, it, it's it, one of his best it, buys he's ever done. Okay. Just in case you're listening, Mark, just to let you know, I learned that 390 degrees for three and a half minutes, perfect English muffin pizzas. Put a little pizza sauce on half of an English muffin, your toppings, cheese, put it in there, three and a half minutes. Comes out perfect every time. There you go. Okay. He probably will listen. Air fryer cooking. He was looking for more. He was looking for more air fryer pinball podcasts. Yes, that's. I said I would let you know. Maybe, maybe, maybe the eclectic air fryer podcast. Yeah, maybe that's that. That's Mm. the next one we need to look into. Um, Let's see. Game wise, I've I've been I played not a whole lot of, but and I streamed both of these. Uh, Dawn of Gaming on Ten. He recommended there was a game that was at least for a little while free on Steam called Kabounce. It's a pinball parkour game. I would describe it as Rocket League pinball. Okay, well, that so, doesn't sound horrible. So I, I tried that out. It was... Did you yell parkour current? I did not. And that's probably why I only barely won. And mostly because of my teammate. But it was... I don't know if it's a good thing for streaming. Probably, because Rocket League's a good thing for streaming. I don't know if it's a good thing for me mentally streaming. Because uh, I, I did it for a while and I needed to go to something lower key. <laughs> then there was an, you had to go vent yeah. the rage. Yeah, and then there was another game that I saw that Steve Bowden had shared on Fun with Bonus called Demon's Tilt, which is a cross between pinball and a shmup, and it's still an early access game, which I don't normally do, but it was on sale during the Steam Summer Sale, to like a twenty percent off. It's like twelve dollars. It's just one table, but it had multiple levels, and you're like fighting these demons. Hence the name Demon's Tilt, and these mo- and it, you kill one, and then a new one can appear. And there are attacks that you maybe don't want to shoot your ball into because then it will kill the ball momentum. And it's got like twelve or fifteen flippers or something, and it's just interesting. These, yeah, it's weird. So, and that's a lot of fun. I actually, it's crazy, but, but that's been a lot of fun. And then the only other thing in terms of introduction that I would say is. Uh, another fun with bonus share from a couple weeks ago, though. I think the video is a couple months old. There's a YouTube channel called Alux. And it's it's where billionaires, Tony, go to get their ideas, if you didn't know. I, I didn't because, obviously, I try not to drop myself down to the billionaire now, level. Well, I, understand. A I understand. For me, I understand. But, that's why, but it was shared so that people who were familiar with pinball could go and appreciate the top 10 most expensive pinball machines in the world. which I watched the video and I was not impressed 
when Avatar is your number 10 game on your list, maybe you didn't do enough research. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Maybe they maybe they had a version where they actually had James Cameron come <laughs> in. They didn't even <laughs> say like Ellie, New in Box. <laughs> they didn't say any of that. Uh, number nine, <laughs> Attack from Mars remake, which they then listed for more than it costs to get an Attack from Mars remake. So uh, again, I it didn't say New in Box. They had an instance where they said new in box. So that's why I'm qualifying that they're not even clarifying. <laughs> you could definitely get a used one for less than they listed. Uh, they didn't say if it was, I think maybe they did say it was the LE model, but still it's like, uh, even at the price they listed, it wouldn't be a top 10 expensive pen. Right. So anyway, so it was a mess. So on, um, on the Facebook thread that Steve had created, I made it, you know, a very, I thought reasonably polite posts saying that it was the worst pinball video I had ever seen. And Politely. That, yeah. Well, basically how I just described it. Yeah. Thought, you're, I, you're like, no offense intended, but. No, I don't, I don't direct. qualify it like that. I mean, it's just <laughs> like this video. I think I said this video is terrible. It makes the watch mojo, uh, top 10 pinball machines video look like it's worthy of a Pulitzer. I think that's <laughs> basically what I said, but I didn't say that I didn't call the person who created it names or anything someone replied to it i'm assuming the creator <laughs> i'm assuming because i don't know it's more to, fun sometimes way. now i find that when i open my mouth and i you know it's always just like talking into a microphone and then i forget sometimes that people are listening who might actually care about what i'm talking about or in this case type about uh and he basically said well why don't you do your own video of you're so cool that was the tone i read in it and I said that I wasn't cool enough, so I wasn't going to do it. Uh, so that I'm not a liar. Let me clarify. What I meant was I wasn't going to actually do a properly researched video of the true top 10 most expensive games. I don't even know where I would start. Uh, and I don't think I would enjoy the project. But what I will do is I will take your hard work and then just make parody of it and make fun of it because it was so bad. So that's what I did instead. So on our The Eclectic Gamers Podcast YouTube channel, one can go and experience the top 10 possibly most expensive pinball <laughs> machines, of which I have redubbed the video that Alux provided. I've also shortened it significantly because I built it around how long I spoke. <laughs> I think I use a combination of four to five different accents throughout because I have no consistency with it versus Alux's uh, text to speech, which was very consistent and very odd to listen to. And so anyway, that's out there. There will be a link to both videos in the show notes. There's a link off of our YouTube video to the Alex video, so people can go back. I'm not trying to steal their clicks. Yeah, my video is very not. different. It's better. I don't know if I'd say better, but it sure ain't worse. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, I also, though, this is under my YouTube uh, uh, page, but it's been it's been shared in the Kansas City Facebook group. I had Artie from who owns the 403 Club, which we talk about a lot because it's a major pinball destination mm -hmm. here in Kansas City. He after he saw the my Alux parody video, he said I he wanted a commercial for the 403 Club. So I did a 30-second commercial spot as a joke. Um, but then he shared that out. So that's out and around, too. So I have a link in the show notes to that, too, if people want to see it. Um, a little bit of a redo of one of the accents. A little bit of a, a little bit of monster truck channeled there at the end. You know, like you do. 
So that's what I've been doing over the last couple of weeks. And I saw on Facebook the other day, somebody had your face on a t-shirt. Oh, I wasn't going to talk about that. Yeah, that I believe is the, it's known as Chris the Pintern, who comes into our Twitch channel. You, you remember our Twitch channel, don't you, Tony? Yeah. Yes, our Twitch channel. He comes into the Twitch channel, uh, from time to time. He is, he, he's called Chris the Pintern because he was at, te- he's the guy who was at Texas Dresses Willy Wonka. Mm-hmm. You remember him? I remember okay. him. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we had no idea who that guy was. We're like, who's this guy walking around as Willy Wonka? Uh, and so the Pinball Nerds podcast, he was functioning as their intern at one point. I'm air quoting intern at one point. So he, he was going by Chris the Pintern because <laughs> he was the world's best Pintern was the idea. <laughs> so anyway, he apparently uh, is a listener of the This Week in Pinball podcast. And as you know, because I know you listen, Zach Minnie, who is the host of that show, has been threatening for quite a while to do a Market Trends t-shirt with my face on it which I keep telling him I'm not giving you permission to use my face on a t-shirt. One, because I don't really want to see my face on a t-shirt. And two, I don't like market trends, so I sure don't want to be shown that I'm you don't like, want to be trending so- up market trends. <laughs> no, no. I'm not going to trend up that made-up segment. And so anyway, some people have been creating joke example shirt images for a while and putting them on on This Week in Pinball's pa- Facebook or in the pin side thread and all of that. Yeah. And so apparently Chris made his own, I think with Sharpies and took a picture of me sneering. It was a very, very not, not so good picture of me. Not really any of them are good, but that one was exceptionally. (laughs) That one was exceptionally exceptionally, not good. You could, I mean, this, it was, it was such a sneer. You know, normally I smirk, but he apparently (laughs) found one where I just flat out was sneering. It looked like I had like palsy on half my (laughs) face. Uh, and has been walking around Southern Fried Game Room Expo, which has been going on the last few days with it on. So that's, I saw it was shared on Emoto Arcade. So I guess if you want to see it, you can, I'm not linking it. I'm not encouraging (laughs) this sort of thing. I had a, a few people reach out to me and, and say they were so glad I was such a good sport about it. Like I could do anything if I wanted to. What am I going to do? Fly out to Georgia and take take a shirt off this Ryan Reynolds lookalike wannabe? I heard someone say oh, his face looks like Ryan Reynolds. That so. would be hilarious. You could get the whole thing going like the Ryan Reynolds, uh, uh, huge jacked man. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 rivalry thing that they've got where they're always playing stuff up and, and this and that. It'd be hilarious. Yeah, I don't think I need a nemesis. Not a pin turn is one. <laughs> but anyway. So, so yeah, so people are wondering, yeah, that's what that's all referencing. It's, it's just yet another, uh, inside baseball joke within the, po- the podcasting world, basically. So thanks for bringing that up. I'm so glad to talk about it, Tony. I, I, I figured you would be. So we're going to move on to happier news. Happier for me, less happy for everyone else involved in pinball. And, by that, I mean we're going to start with a Dutch pinball update. It's the favorite pinball player beater people. <laughs> well, that's an interesting way to express it. Um, so let, let's start with the, with the information as we, as we know it currently. So I'm going to thank uh, Mr. 68, that's his handle on Pinside, for sharing this information. I do have a link to this specific post in the show notes. I believe this came out as a newsletter update from Dutch Pinball to those that are on their newsletter. I don't know if it's just their early achievers, which is what they call their pre-orderers, or if it's a broader group. doesn't really matter. It's going to be a bit of a lengthy 
thing, but I'm going to go ahead and read it out. Uh, it's been a while since our last update. This is Dutch. This is me and my Dutch voice. For which I apologize. There have been a lot of things going on. I will try and address everything in this update below. First of all, I'd like to address the health of my colleague and dear friend, Yop. As you all know, last year, Yop was diagnosed with, treated for, and then cured of cancer. Unfortunately, a couple of months ago, a new scan showed the disease was back. The new scan showed multiple metastases, and the doctors indicated there is nothing they can do at this point. I won't go into all the details, but I will... But you will understand I was and still am devastated by this news. I can't really describe how much this sucks. Following this awful news, Yap and I discussed what we would do with Dutch Pinball and his involvement as an associate. We decided that it would be in Yap's best interest to step away from the company to avoid a complicated situation in the future. The paper for, paperwork for this was taken care of last month, and now Yap is no longer officially involved with Dutch Pinball. I know you are all waiting to hear the verdict of the court case with Ara. Unfortunately, the judge ruled in favor of Ara. Now, I can go on and on with the details why the judge decided this and how much this sucks, etc. But right now, this is what it is. And besides going to into appeal against this ruling, we can't do anything about it. I have discussed all the details with my attorney and the time it would take to go into appeal. He told me it could easily take another year. Waiting another year after all this time is really too much for me right now. After all things that have happened and also the terrible news about Yop made me decide to try something else to figure out this debacle. So once again, I've tried to come up with a solution to settle things with Ara and finally get this over with. I contacted the person directly involved without attorneys and after a long discussion and some negotiations we have for the first time in years reached an agreement. As you will all agree, this is great news. But there are still some things to take care of before we are completely out of the woods. The settlement we agreed upon means that we have to pay off Ara, and in return we will receive everything Dutch Pinball related that Ara has stored in their warehouse. A number of finished and unfinished games and the complete inventory of parts. Besides that, the court case will be voided, and this means there will be no more legal issues to prevent us from continuing our business and start building games again. First, the Big Lebowski Pinball, of course, and hopefully many more beautiful games in the future. One of the most important things to make Dutch Pinball a viable business again is liquidity. The only way to get things moving again is to deliver early Achiever games parallel to selling new games to customers. I know this means you still have to wait a bit longer, but it also means that, against all odds, you will receive your game. Along with my accountants, I am working on a prognosis slash forecast how long it will take to do this, and our first calculations are very positive. At this point, I can't give the exact planning yet, but as soon as I do, I will communicate this. I understand this is not the most ideal solution for EAs, but otherwise Dutch Pinball would most certainly go bankrupt, which would inevitably have resulted in nobody getting a game. Well, I didn't trip over that as much as I feared, but I am a professional reader. So, Tony, that is the update that comes, according to Mr. 68, from Dutch Pinball. Additional minor, well, short things to say, but additional details that can be helpful to understand. Cointaker weighed into this thread. The cost for the games, of which there are 40, 35 of which are coin takers, five of which go to Nitro Pinball for the Canadian market, mm -hmm. is now 12500 They are sold already. And I believe the people who had deposits with Cointaker and Nitro got first dibs on that quantity. So for those that don't know, early achievers were paid in full 
directly to Dutch Pinball, I believe, in all instances. 8500 was the price for them. After that was set and they were selling spots, Cointaker and Nitro were, at least on the Cointaker side for the U.S., it was $10,000 to get in on a big Lebowski. $1,000 refundable deposit. Those deposits never went to Dutch Pinball. And you could get the money back anytime you wanted. Cointaker held the money. Mm-hmm. And I believe Nitro did the same. So those people who had deposits were given right of first refusal with the understanding that now the game is another $2,500 on top of what the original quote was based off of this. So the early achievers were not given a right to rebuy out of this 40 unless they happened to also have a deposit on what would have been another game. So just some clarification regarding that. So now it's discussion time. What are your thoughts? Because I need a drink because I just read like, Five paragraphs worth of information that was condensed into two. And you did it beautifully. Not perfectly, but closely. First off, let's go with what I think is probably the absolute most important thing out of the whole thing is Yop and what he's dealing with and his family's dealing with. Because it's hard to deal with stuff like that. And best of thoughts and hopes. We know how it goes. Yeah, I mean, ba- I mean based that, off of this, uh, he phrased it. Uh, yeah, based well, off, and, it's and just a, English isn't the first language. So Yap has terminal cancer. Yes. That's what he's saying. Yeah, that's what that's what it is. I mean, right. there's just, I mean, that's like I just didn't want to just ignore no, that. No, and there were, of course, fitting your um, stereotype of pin side, there were not many, maybe just one that I really remember distinctly, where someone essentially said, "I don't care." You don't, have, you don't have to care, but the way they were, they, they're what they were. I don't care. I don't even believe he has cancer. That doesn't surprise me off of And it's like, side. okay, let's set that aside. I know, and you and I, I'd say especially you, have been very, very uh, forthright in constantly pointing out that Dutch Pinball is a lying company yes. that, lo- that lives off of lies. I don't see a point in lying about this. Yeah, this so makes let's no set sense. that aside. This makes no it's, sense it's for a, a lot. It's like tragic. Um, and we can segregate that tragedy from the rest of this. Right. Because we're going to talk about the future of the company now. And clearly, Yop is no longer affiliated with the company. Ostensibly because of the cancer, which I think is true. Yeah. I think that they decided so that there wasn't an ownership issue after Yop dies that they Handle the paperwork now. That's my read off of how he phrased it. Yeah, that's how it felt so, to me too. But Barry's still involved, and so there's still a Dutch pinball on paper. On paper. So moving past the the, the cancer discussion elements, what are your thoughts about this, the lawsuit and the plan? Do you have your notepad? I, I do. Oh. Oh, okay. Okay. Here's what it amounts to. Like we've always said, like I've always said, Dutch is done and the early adopters are getting f***ed again, continuously. Because these machines didn't go to them. These machines that they paid for didn't go to them. They weren't even given the option to pay extra to get these machines. These machines all went to Cointaker and Nitro. So... Yay for all of those people who came in later. The people who actually propped the company up in the beginning got f***ed by the company once again. There's no way around it. And if they do, and that is a huge bloody F. If they do 
ever get their machines. Instead of it being the Aura machines and the early production machines from a company that is more set up into it, they're getting the machines done from random Joe China company that has never made a pinball machine before and who knows what kind of quality is going to be rolling out of the factories. So not only are they looking at not getting what they originally paid for, but they're looking at getting something that has a very large chance of not being in the same quality zone of what they had originally paid for. Unless they've gone, unless they've changed factories again. I know they keep changing factories last time I heard and I've not followed because as far as I'm concerned, anybody still involved with Dutch is just in a horrible place. They're, I mean, anyone who still has faith in this company, I've got a bunch of stuff I want to sell, sell you. Like, seriously, I've got great ideas. Why don't we talk? <laughs> uh, yeah, and well, I mean, it's been a while since we really talked about Dutch Pinball, so I think it's probably helpful to go back and touch on this. I'm not a, a huge fan of doing the I told you so thing, but so far, I feel like everything we've called on Dutch Pinball has basically come to fruition. We've been pretty accurate on this one. We're not always yeah. accurate. We've been pretty accurate on this one. I think we were some of the earliest voices, or er, you know, noting that this company is not on a path of survival. No. Uh, from really from the get go, when we learned that they lied about the PCB board issues to buy time because they were in conflict with Ara. Uh, and basically, I agree with the sentiments you have made. I. I don't know because people have had trouble with some of the Aura builds, whether or not, I'm not going to speculate whether the Zytec builds would be worse than the Aura builds. I don't know. I also don't know if they'll, if Zytec will even deal with them because they aborted working with Zytec once the lawsuit came from Aura. Mm -hmm. And so Zytec might be a bit pissed that they did all this prototyping and probably didn't get paid for it. Because there's no money. Probably thought that they were going to get paid once the game started to be built sort of thing. So here's here's my takeaway. And I understand because of how this is being presented and, and done, I don't blame Cointaker or Nitro for not selling to the early achievers first because I'm not sure they have the information on who all is an early achiever. And it's not really on them to ask for that information. And the reason why I'm noting all of that is... Because Barry is presenting this still pie in the sky notion that everyone who pre-ordered is still going to get their game for the 8,500 that they paid. This is not going to happen. I don't believe. Do I see a possible path to it? I do. But statistically speaking, it's such an arduous path that this is where, and I, I think it comes across as a little toxic and I don't mean it to be where I think the best thing, just like before for Dutch, is to declare bankruptcy and close because I think this is false hope and it strings people along. And I think it damages them more emotionally later than it would. It's the rip the bandaid off. Don't slowly peel it and get to experience every little hair coming up with it sort of thing. Let me, let me draw for you the golden path, the perfect trail. What I believe is the absolute best thing that can come out of this. They have, they get enough money to start production 
with the with it from a new factory of a few new pens, just enough to turn out enough to be able to to pay for the pens required to make whole the early adopters, and then they collapse bankrupt with no money after having sold a couple extra pens and filled in their early adopters. That's the literal best hope. I think I liked. I hope. I'm going to go with I hope. I hope that this dream that Dutch pinball can exist beyond this and continue to be something is just him spouting what he thinks people want to hear to guarantee that he can get enough to maybe not make himself out to be a complete and utter failure who thrived on the backs of the people who believed him, stomped on them, destroyed them, sat on their graves, and then walked away with whatever he could hold on his own. Mm -hmm. I like to believe that he doesn't actually think that he's going to go ahead and be, have something come out of this. And he's just trying to keep hope up long enough so he can make things right and then close the company. The reality, I don't know. Maybe he does believe that. Maybe he does think that there's something going forward. But the truth of the matter is this is a DOA company. It's done. The best he could hope to do is to make people all right. But I think they're all screwed. I think every single I, one of them is. I think they are as well. And here's why. And you you clearly denoted that your example was a best case scenario, a difficult best case scenario. Here's why I don't think it will happen. Now, let me touch on real quick. Do I think that Barry buys into the, I think he still thinks, I think he still wants Dutch pinball to exist as a pinball manufacturer. I don't think it could be gamesmanship to try and get an investor just to finish off the big Lebowski run, but the, all their decision making, like when Barry and Yop, they had a chance before the lawsuit, Ara went to them. And the production was stopped. And the negotiation offer was Ara wanted 51% of Dutch pinball. And they said no. And that's still that arrogance of thing that they think that this is their company. This ain't their company anymore. It is on paper. But what, what I'm right. saying, they don't know how to run a company. Well, now it's just Barry. Barry doesn't know how to run this company. I think that's just repeatedly demonstrably proven. And here's where I think, here's where the hurdles are for any of this happening. $12,500. People are excited because these units are being available for sale. And it's like, yeah, it's a win. That, this was inevitable. Either Dutch was going to win somehow the lawsuit and they'd right. have the pins available to sell because they'd get them from Ara or Dutch collapses and Ara would have been able to, like at a bankruptcy auction or something, sell off the 40. Those 40 pins were going to hit the market. No matter this what. This is not, yeah. In my view, the, there was like some long, there was probably some possible scenarios where based off of license, uh, you know, universal and expired license that I don't think it would have blocked it in a bankruptcy scenario, uh, just liquidating assets. But I don't know exactly how, that, how, how yeah. it would square with, again, Dutch law, I don't know. So, right. So all of this. Bottom line is, I always assumed those 40 were going out to people eventually. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know if it was by Ara or it was by Dutch, but they were going out. So this is not good news. This is, in my view, inevitable. This was an inevitability that those would be available. And also, unsurprisingly, just sold, not given to the people who already bought. Again, not quite as inevitable, but expected. 
Expected. It's what I expected. Ara winning the lawsuit. Expected. Yep. They Did initiated- we ever learn what the actual terms of the lawsuit? No. The, what, 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 since they lost, since yeah, we so we don't know what no. the penalties that Dutch is trying to. Dodge I did here spend is. about ninety minutes trying to find. And uh, FYI, I did write an email to Ara asking for a copy of the verdict, oh. but I have not heard back, and I probably won't. I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't expect so. They're not obligated to give it to me, but I figured it's a public document. But it's very difficult to search. Dutch legal websites. So they have a lot of stuff in English. Mm-hmm. I'm using translators, trying to translation tools, trying to, I tried to, I did, it was an old school dentist move. I did try and find it myself. I could not do it. I could not do it. Barry did not provide it, has not provided it. Did you ask anyone. Barry for it? No, no. Because anytime I've ever asked Barry for anything, I either don't hear back or I'm told no. And I think there's a reason why he didn't share it. I think there's a reason why he also said I could go on and on about, you know, what, how the judge ruled and did. look. And in a way, I don't care because I do believe Barry on this. They lost. Yeah. So here's why I found it so amusing that he, he's painted this, this deal that he reached outside of the attorneys with Ara as a, as this big win. It's not a win because Ara has him by the balls. Mm-hmm. They've already got a verdict. So here's, how I think, and I think most people have discussed this on, say, Pennside and such, are at the same conclusion. So it's the obvious conclusion. Ara has struck an arrangement with Barry that they think will give them a better likelihood of getting their money than what the judge has given them. My guess would be the judge says, you all can do whatever you want with all the stuff left over, including the games. But wouldn't it be easier to use Dutch pinball to sell those 40 games. Then, get the money. then Ara try and figure out how to do it. Because right. Dutch already has the arrangement with Nitro, has the arrangement with Cointaker. There's already a list of interested parties. There are already deposits down for a lot of those. Mm-hmm. So why not? Instead, Ara wants the money. They don't care about, they're not into pinball. They're not going to build it anymore. So they just want this crap out of their warehouse and they want to get paid. The speculation is Ara wasn't paid for the prior games they shipped. And that's when they pushed, they pushed the hold button because Dutch quit letting the cash flow. It wasn't, they didn't have the money for the next 40. There is a suspicion that Ara's law, and that's where we want to see the lawsuit, that Ara says they weren't fully paid for the prior pins. So let's run, let's do some math. 40 units. It's been confirmed. It's mm-hmm. 40 built units. $12,500. That is a half a million dollars. I don't think Barry's keeping any of this. I think that's what he owes Ara. I think this half a million is just to cover the 40 pins plus whatever was owed outstanding from the prior runs and the work that they have. Where Barry sees his win here is the lawsuit goes away, but he gets to keep all the other stuff. The play fields that are done, the boards that are done. The bits and pieces, the odds and ends. Yeah, the, that, the parts and yeah, the unfinished the parts, games and right. all that. So there's stuff that he could go to, a in his mind, go to a new contract manufacturer and say, here, look, you don't even have to order all this stuff on a new bill of material. I've got leftovers. So we can start building some more pens to sell for profit to Dutch. With the, I don't think it, maybe there's a portion of the money. Maybe he doesn't owe a half million US dollars to Ara. I think it's close. 
I think I it's close. so. Because why else did the pin price have to go up another 2500 Yeah, I would have to just to cover it. Yeah. So even if, like, let's say, let's say I'm, I'm wrong though. And let's say that the 2500 is what Dutch is doing. That's just a hundred thousand dollars. Like the 2500 add on is to give Dutch some money to work with. And the rest, the original 10000 the $400,000 is for Ara. Right. It's still only $100,000. This is nothing for a manufacturer. Well, yeah, What's he no. going to do with it? So what he stressed in his, well, I can't say stressed, but what he noted in his write-up was that the issue is liquidity. And I agree. But let's remember, he couldn't find an investor before the ARA lawsuit. When he was working with Zytec, there was no investor. There was no bailout. There, remember there was that, that weird Chicago or Seattle seven right. where there was this just like a, a the, total the, amateur like hour. Like Pendigo yeah. thing and all that. Yeah. They did like a GoFundMe. Yeah. And then, and Dutch then sold, like they still had a prototype game that they were trying to sell, which they probably did sell. I don't remember for what, 15,000 or whatever. And they were selling translites and stuff. And it was just like, it reeked of a bake sale. <laughs> just like, you know, you know, it's bad when you're, you're to the bake sale. Yeah. <laughs> and you're supposed to be a professional manufacturing company. So, so that's the thing. So Bar- Barry is presenting this as a win that he has a deal that doesn't, that isn't the lawsuit, but because Ara holds all the cards because they have the judgment, they get everything they want. This is in no way a, a worse deal for Ara than what the, whatever the arrangement is. It's definitely something Barry and Yop were never going to agree to before the litigation because they were completely unwilling to cooperate with anything that Aro offered then. And that would have been when Aro didn't have a verdict yet. Indiegogo. That was what what I was trying to run in my head. That was the idea I had in my head was Indiegogo. It's like, I know that was the wrong word. So here is where, getting back to your, your optimistic outlook, here is how I think this proceeds. Pins go for sale. They have. 40 pins sell out. They have. They are successfully shipped. The, the and this is all that like DHL is confirming pickup before the money gets sent and all of that. Coin takers laid out how they're handling the money side of things because they're not nobody going, trusts Dutch, right? No one trusts Dutch that so they may lie because they have before. I think that money goes and essentially is just a pay off Ara and get the rest of the stuff out of their warehouse. Ara is no longer involved. Dutch is sitting there with basically zero money in the bank, a pile of parts and unfinished pieces of games with no investor. Now, normally in the optimist view, you then go step three is question mark, question mark, question mark, and step four is profit. In this case, I think step three is done. There is no step four. Because Barry presenting that not having the, his angle here is that the lawsuit no longer holding, they'll be able to, to uh, void the verdict essentially right. because they'll have reached a, an agreement better th- from both parties' perspective than enforcing the judgment. Barry seems to think that that means he'll be able to find an investor, but he couldn't find an investor before there was a lawsuit. So what's changed other than he has even less money than he used to? I don't know. I don't Nothing. think any investor is going to Nothing. want to touch him with a 10 foot pole. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. And because of that, I don't see a path forward for the EAs to get their games, much less Dutch Pinball actually going on and building new, new different games beyond Big Lebowski. This scenario, this Ponzi scheme-esque approach of 
build two, like build. I mean, he didn't even give the ratio. Like, what is it? How many would it, how many new games would have to be sold before they could give one EA buyer their game? Is it two to one? Is that three to one? At twelve, uh, at twelve, you went. You five, can't here. I'm, if they actually start back up production, if that somehow got to that, they ain't selling that game at twelve five. There's no way people are only buying at twelve five now because they think what I think. This company's dead, and that these are going to be the last of the games. There are going to be fewer Big Lebowski's than there are aliens, so they're going to get in at twelve five because they think they're going to be able to flip it for profit. That's why people are buying right now, and I don't blame them for it. No, but. If the production line, like if they go back to Zytec and that Chinese contract manufacturer says, okay, yeah, we'll deal with you. It's like they, maybe that hundred thousand pays off for their prior work or whatever. If he indeed is making a little bit of money at this point. Um, I still just, whatever rate he's going to have to move those games at, I just, I just don't see it over 10. I, it's not worth it, especially given the QA, the quality assurance on it, because there have been a number of problems with the Ara built ones. Right. So given that it's not the best built pinball machine, even though a lot of people love how it plays, you just have to, it's a different scenario. I mean, 12.5, that's CE money from Jersey Jack, their most overpriced model. That's thousands ahead of spooky American pinball, you know, companies that know what they're doing. At least to the degree that you don't feel like you're going to get screwed. So, I mean, it's just like, and their build qualities are almost assuredly better on both cases. So given all of that, I think, I think they're this, they're done, but they're acting like they're not. And they're, and the EAs are, you put them in that weird emotional position where they have to almost cheer Dutch pinball on and hope people are going to want to buy more big Lebowski's. The license is assuredly expired now. Three-year license, or by the end of the year, I would think it would be based off of when they started production, if that's how the license arrangement was. Is Universal going to sign off on another one, another run? Some people are throwing out ideas like, go to Chicago Gaming and have them build the game. They should just sell the design to another pinball manufacturer. Okay, here's the problem. The design isn't worth enough to do 40 free EA games. No. It's not worth that amount of money. Is 40 the number of EA left that haven't gotten their games? No. Those are just the, f- I'm only, I only went with, I don't know how many are still outstanding. I don't remember. I, I know it's been said, but I just can't remember it. Yeah. Even if it was 40 though, it's like what you're saying that having the design and everything is worth what? A hundred, $400,000 or whatever. It's not. It's not. Plus, when they, if they were to sell the game, it doesn't come with a license. They, you would have to go to Universal and get like Spooky or CGC. And again, if they were really interested, why didn't they do it before now? When Dutch still had some moxie. I just, it doesn't, it doesn't fit. I don't see, because here's the thing. If Dutch can't make the early achievers whole, the early achievers, even though legally they have no right to do it, there's precedence now because of Deep Root that they're going to want whoever would do the build to give them a free game. Because Deep Root went when they, as you, as you know, Tony, and they hired John Papaduke and they offered terms for people to settle the Zidware situation, who, those who pre-ordered Zidware games. And in exchange, they could get a monetary recompensation, uh, or a game from Deep Root. And that's, you know, that stuff's all legal and signed and everything. And, 
I'm sure Deep Root did that to help alleviate some of that bad blood that people felt about Deep Root coming and hiring John Papadou. But why would a just a contract manufacturer, even if it's an established pinball one, want to do that? And if it was an established pinball manufacturer, the demand for it would be higher. People aren't going to call Zytec up and say, you should give me a free game because I got cheated by Dutch. You chuck that thing over to Chicago Gaming, though, oh, there will be demands. It's it's a loser move. It There is no company that should do this. No pinball company should take the Big Lebowski. Not as designed. Do a new version of it if you have to re- rehash, but... I, I think I think it's just it, this. It's it's just kind of like the third rail at this point. It's something you should mm. just dodge. I think it's just going to burn anybody who gets even close to it. The uh, looking at um from the numbers I'm seeing online, it's looking like there were 300 originally. Okay. Okay. So yeah, 300, and uh, I, I believe no- with the 40, it would have been about 90 built. So I guess 50. So 50 ish, 50 ish that actually got. So like a sixth. Yeah. It's not good. It's not even a quarter. So yeah, Uh, no, that's, it's just, I'm going to be honest. And here's what I think is the most likely thing to happen. Not the golden path forward, but I think the reality is to happen is either like you said, R is paid off. He'll talk a big game and then vanish. Or. The extra 2500 was to create, like you said, the money to go forward, and he'll pocket it and vanish. Hmm. Or the third option is he'll take the parts, and he'll take everything that, 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 that is left in the unfinished games to assemble as many games as can be assembled without any new orders or any new anything, sell them for twelve five, and vanish. I will admit, I would be shocked if any of the early achievers remaining ever get a game. Not from Dutch. Not unless they buy it separately. Right, right. And no, I agree. I don't see a path to them getting the game. And I guess just so, so it's, why do I want them to, why did I want them to declare bankruptcy? Because I wanted them to a long time ago. And, And this is why, so people understand. There was a point where this no longer became tenable in any practical sense by declaring bankruptcy and liquidating what they had dutch pinball could have at least given pennies on the dollar back i'm hoping to all of their creditors including those that had pre-ordered the games that is a better scenario than getting nothing and so that's why i was a fan of that approach the problem is Dutch, for a long time, was at least talking the game that they still had money. They didn't have enough money to give everyone their games, but they had enough money to pursue things with Zytec. As time has gone by, they were continuing to draw salaries. They've confirmed that. And there were other expenses. They probably were paying Zytec something, would be my guess. You would would assume so. Why would a company talk to them otherwise? Exactly. And so given all of that, it's my belief that the problem now is there's virtually nothing in the piggy bank to get out of a bankruptcy. Now, you sell these games, let's assume all the money went to Ara, and you have all this other stuff. It's just not going to fetch a lot. There's more to liquidate now than maybe there was two months ago, but... It's not worth anything. Not really. So Your best bet at this point is finding the weird people uh, uh, 
not the weird people, the, uh, the, the people who have the money, uh, to buy the parts just to have replacements to keep stuff going. Yeah. But the, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The people with a big enough love and a big enough desire to drop the money required to have parts to make sure it keeps going. Well, the, the alien pinball owners, they work together a lot to arrange for 3D printing replacement parts. You know, they source the parts and they share stuff. So I could see something like that manifesting. But those parts won't command much, even from that group, because there's no competitor. No one else will buy them. Right. So if you have to liquidate and auction them off, yeah, that stuff's not going to go for a lot. And there's only 90 of them. Exactly. It's not, there's not a huge amount of demand. Uh, plus a lot of those parts are probably generic. Like stuff you can get from Marco or Pinball Life posts and stuff. Right. Like, surely they didn't reinvent everything. But so uh, I don't see this as good news uh, other than the the there'll be 40 more Big Lebowski's out there. That was inevitable. We were just waiting. We were just waiting for R to win. And uh, I'd love to know the, the details of the lawsuit. But this is what would make sense to me based off of what he said. And I don't really see him. I don't see a path forward because Barry is not worth investing in. He's just not. I, that's where it comes down to the, it would make more sense to, for him to try and sell the Big Lebowski to another entity to make it. But it also doesn't make sense for anyone to buy it. No. There are a lot of people who are just, because they love the theme so much, or maybe and as well love the gameplay, who just think that, well, it's a slam dunk. Uh, I mean, this is just going to print cash for any it's company. Not. It's like, no, this is a has-been game that's been out too long. There's no... There's no wonder about this anymore. Almost any other manufacturer would have to redesign the cabinet at the very least because they're not going to build it like this. Mm-hmm. So. And here's the thing. I love the Big Lebowski as a theme and this and that. I think Alien was a better theme. Yeah, I I'm do. I'm not saying that. that I think Alien's a better game because it's not, but I think Alien's a better theme. And Yeah. There's lots of things yeah. that people are deluding themselves if they think that if you could just get this up and for sale, it would sell enough to solve all these problems. It's just not. It's not. It's like it's like how some remember the hype train on Munsters and look at it and, and look at it now. It's I'm sure it did okay for Stern. Yeah, I'm sure it was but, fine. But all of that wonder went away pretty quick. And Big Lebowski's wonder was five years ago. So, and re- and remember, I mean, it's the same thing with uh, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, greatest game ever. I heard it constantly: greatest game ever, greatest game ever, greatest game ever, greatest game ever. It wasn't good enough to stay on the line for more than like thirty-seven minutes. Well, but now everyone wants it, so now it's the greatest game ever still because of the can't have, yeah, can't haviness. I, I think that gets back on the line eventually. I still think it. I think maybe at twelve five, maybe as a Yellow Brick Road edition. But, <laughs> the but, Yellow Brick Road edition. Of the- well, they'll give it a better name than that. But, the Golden Tooth edition. Golden Tooth. <laughs> yeah. the, the one everyone says is Black Pearl. The Black Pearl edition. Uh, so let's move on. Speaking of Jersey Jack, let's move on to a Jersey Jack news topic: Guns and Roses pinball. It's been confirmed. Not by Jersey Jack Pinball, but by Slash of oh, Guns so N' Roses. Oh, so somebody we can actually trust to not yeah. be lying to us. Yeah. Well, okay. Welcome to the jungle. Welcome. To- so, so Welcome yes. Apparently, uh, and I do have a link in the show notes to this, but in an interview with San Francisco Weekly, Slash did confirm that a new pinball machine is coming out. 
The rumor mill already said that Guns N' Roses was the license, a, one of the two licenses that Jersey Jack has. The two remaining licenses that we haven't seen that have been said to be G- JJP licenses are that and Toy Story. Okay. So, but based off of this statement, uh, to let you know, the rumor goes even further that Jack of Jersey Jack Pinball has continued to insist that they're putting out a second game at the end of this year. The rumor mill is that it is not Toy Story, even though the Toy Story movie is now out. It's Guns N' Roses. Well, based upon how the Toy Story movie's been doing from everything I've heard, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Really? I've not looked into it at all. I, I had one person tell me that it was it was wonderful. Touching. Then that's one more person who's told you it was wonderful than the eight people I've talked to said it ruined Toy Story and it's it's just dead. Oh, okay. Well, it was Zach Minnie who told me this, so oh, and you wow. know what how his tastes are. Yeah. Okay, that explains it. So uh thoughts on Guns N' Roses, Pinball? It'll be fine, I guess. Whatever. It's a music pen. Yeah. I don't here's the thing. Here's what I expect from a music pen in this day and age of music pens. Is it dad rock? Does it have good music? That's all. That's all a music pen is. Yeah. And Guns N' Roses, it's dad rock. They've got good songs. As long as they just don't totally uh, mess everything up and it has halfway decent playability, there's a certain segment that's going to be all over it. And then you combine the fact that we're looking at JJP. So there's going to be another segment who's already guaranteed can tell you right now it's the greatest music pen ever made. It could literally be two flippers and a single pop bumper, but it's the greatest music pen ever made. Because JJP made it, and it's only going to cost you $10,000 unless you want the really good one. And that one's going to cost you $15,000 unless you want the really, really, really good one. And that one won't ever be put on the line until you get it. Okay. Well, that's an interesting take, Tony. Um, Possibly harsh. Possibly. But So let me ask you a few other questions related to that. Now, what do you think the reaction, though, would be? If they do Guns N' Roses like they did Wonka, where there's a standard edition, is not you know, the Wonka standard edition was a thousand less than the Pirate standard edition, and also the game, even in the non-standard edition, is seen as more stripped down than the historic JJP games. Hobbit, Waz, and Pirates and Dial In are seen as loaded JJP games, and some people, even though they, a lot of people like Wonka, they do say that it feels like it's the most stripped-down, stern-style JJP ever. For the standard edition. Or well, did they say that about the main edition? No, even the main edition, uh, because the there's a, there's a view, I'm not, I don't know if it's accurate or not, but there is a view from some that there are fewer mechs. It looks less wondrous than... Because the only thing that was really missing on the standard edition, besides having a decent art package, was the Wonkavator. Yeah. Okay. So they, there's one, like a one mech difference. That's where the sternification reference is, where JJP had. Sternification. Well, well they, I love that word. Well, because. It's the sternification. Right. Well, because the, the whole thing was a lot of, uh, a lot of people who are really big supporters of Jersey Jack. One of the things they really liked about it is no matter what the model you had, there were no gameplay differences, but Wonka broke that rule. It's apparently not a rule anymore. I know it's a surprise that they said something that they don't actually stick with, but wow, but JJP lied. Yeah, basically. I mean, this is more of a, a, I'm sure the view of the business now that there are investors has changed. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't attribute it as a lie specifically. 
In fact, from an interview I heard with, with Jack of Jersey Jack Pinball, he did not like this change, but he was convinced that they needed to do it. Because the investors were like, if you don't do this, the money goes away. I don't know if they were that blatant or if it was his team telling him, look, you need to, Wonka is clearly making a play for getting more operators to buy the games. 8,500 is a tall ask for an operator because even if the game earns like 20% more, it's still a better deal to buy a Stern Pro because of the depreciation and the sale difference and, and how that works. It's like most of the time when I read the threads about people talking about who operate, who post on pin side, the JJP pins can be near the top, but it's like Stern Star Wars Pro makes you as much money and it's thousands less. Right. So you would have to be pretty, if you're doing it just from a business decision, you're, you'd have to be pretty stupid not to buy the cheaper one. Right. And also, you've got to look at it. You're going to have a lot bigger, no matter what people think, you're going to have a lot bigger draw for people to play Star Wars, even if it's a bad game, or Guardians of the Galaxy, or Deadpool, than you're going to have for the nostalgia of Wonka. I do think that's true, though, from the themes that JJP has taken, I do think Wonka is probably their strongest one. Strongest since Wizard of Oz. Uh, but those are, that's I mean, not saying a lot. I, though. I know, I know. But and that's where Guns N' Roses is quite a bit. What do you now? That's another thing I want to ask though. Guns, what do you think about them uh, doing pulling a, a copy of Stern and doing a music pin? Because they haven't done one before. They've always done these very family kind of family themed pins, and Guns N' Roses is not what I think of as a. They're not exactly edgy, but they're not a family themed uh, theme. I think, in all honesty, especially if they do a a cheaper standard edition, it might be their best seller. Hmm. Yeah, I'm curious. I mean, I, as a band, I like Guns N' Roses. Right. So that helps. But the thing is, this is, is so, a- ma- so many of their pins, other than The Hobbit, when it was originally announced, is all nostalgia heavy. Yeah. I mean... But doesn't Stern rely on a lot of that, too? I mean, obviously, not exclusively, because Guardians isn't nostalgia heavy. Deadpool isn't nostalgia heavy. Right. But all their rock bands are. Right. But, I mean, that's... All music pins are nostalgia. I mean, they're all dad rock. They're all sold to to 50. They're all aimed at the people in that 70s and 80s. Yeah, that's a, 80s, good, that's a good point. Uh, band range, or a range of people who grew up with that music. So, I mean, and uh, don't get me wrong. That's 90% of what I listen to is dad rock. That's why I like so many of the music pins because it's aimed squarely at me. People who, I mean, because I grew up in the 80s. That was my... My, that, that, that was a lot of my go-to stuff. That's what my dad listened to. That's what I listened to back then. So, I mean, it, it, it's definitely aimed squarely at me, and I, that's why I like so many of them. But Stern hasn't exactly... I mean, Wizard of Oz. Let's be 100% honest. The game's fun. I enjoy the game. There's no giant screaming fanboy thing thinking we needed a Wizard of Oz thing when Wizard of Oz came out because nobody's really cared about the Wizard of Oz since I don't know the 50s. Okay. I'm not I'm going I'm not going to dispute that. <clears throat> then they came out with Hobbit right in the middle right when well announced when the Hobbit movies were coming out. It eventually came out. The problem is is those movies weren't great. 
Yeah, but they, you know, they made their decision before we knew that. True. In their defense, True. we didn't know. But that was at least a modernish look, a modern, yeah. modernish. I thought it was head. a good. I thought from a predictive standpoint, just like we saw from Bally Williams in the '90s, it was a good theme in, in theory. Right, and I mean, I love the art. I the think theme integration, I think, I, might be the best on it. Again, Waz is pretty well integrated too, but the Hobbit theme integration is great. Right. Yeah, no, all of it. The problem I mean, is it's play. Right. It plays terribly. But the theme integration is good. The art's beautiful. All that stuff. That's great. I like all that stuff about it. Then you had Dialed In, original theme, non-wide body. I think it's their best pen. Uh, I think it's their funnest pen, anyway. Uh, then you had Pirates. And let's face it, I've never said anything other than it was a dead franchise. It was a dead franchise that that pin, when Stern put out Pirates, that was a well-timed aimed in the height of that pin, of that popularity. When this one came out, there's nothing. Nobody cares. Yes, they just put out a fifth movie. Nobody cares. Guess what? Fast and the Furious is coming out with a spinoff movie. They've had, I don't know, eight movies Eight, now. I think, yeah. Yeah, they've had eight movies. They've got a spinoff off of the main series coming out this year. And it's hugely, and that's it. That would have been a good thing to target. Pirates of the Caribbean was just horrible, horrible. And now Willy Wonka, pure nostalgia, purely aiming for that nostalgia thing. And it's, there's not enough people out there, I think, who have that strong of a nostalgia to make it a huge thing. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. I, I thought compared, <laughs> compared to Pirates, compared to, Dialed in, obviously, with its original theme. I thought Wonka was a better pick. I do, too. I'd even say Wonka might be a better pick than Wizard of Oz as a theme. Again, I don't I know. I think so. It's uh, Woz is more timeless. Wonka is more relevant because there are a lot of people who are still alive who watched it a lot as kids. Right. Whereas everyone who, I mean, everyone's seen Wizard of Oz, but not everyone likes it. Right. I mean, um, but... It was a very U.S.-oriented show. I don't believe it did as well overseas. Uh, so that's a problem for Wonka. And uh, I don't think younger generations really watch it as much as maybe our generation thinks they do. Right. So, And how many of the younger generations haven't seen Wonka, but they've seen Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with... Uh, can't remember his name. Johnny Depp? Johnny Depp. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, uh, I just think, I think this is good. And just in the fact that I think JJP needs to try and stay away from Johnny Depp themes at this point. That's, so. no, that's valid. So, <laughs> so this is a positive. Let, let's see. Once we see more about the game, you know, I theme is theme and it's interesting to talk about from a business perspective, but it'll be interesting to see, um, how it plays. And the rumor mill is, is that Eric and I've been missaying his last name. It's not Munier. It's not French like that. It's like Minaire. I know that's wrong too. I told myself I was going to listen to it in audio format and try and memorize it. I'm just going to call it Eric M to be safe. Uh, the rumor is he will, who, he who designed pirates will be designing Guns N' Roses. Okay. So a lot of people like how he designed pirates. And, uh, if they're going to do a wide body and the rumor is that Guns N' Roses will be a wide body, I would probably prefer Eric to do it because yes. I think his pirates wide body layout was more enjoyable to shoot than Hobbit, definitely, but even than Wizard of Oz, too. I didn't care for Wizard of Oz's layout all that much. It's okay, uh, but anyway. Uh, last last pinball piece of news, and we'll be done. Uh, there is a rumor 
I had someone on the Twitch uh, channel. Want, no, I'm sorry. It was someone on Discord. Uh, Chef Star over with the Gaming on 10 Discord had asked if we were going to cover this. And I didn't know a lot about it. So I've read up a bit on forums. Apparently there is a rumor that Chicago Gaming, uh, who makes Attack from Mars remake, Medieval Madness remake, other remakes, is in the process of getting ready to make Alien Pinball. A remake of the Highway Pinball Alien Pin. I could not find what the source is for this. Like, I don't understand where the rumor's coming from, so, so to speak. So I'm yeah. not quite sure how it's cropped up. It seemed to me that this is getting discussed now just because Big Lebowski is being shipped from those are pre-made ones has sort of kicked this one in the pants as another failed project that got a few out the door sort of thing. But the way the rumor goes is Pinball Brothers has the rights to the alien design. They are working with Chicago Gaming to build the remake version. And that, as the rumor goes, Chicago Gaming is working on converting uh, some of the cabinet stuff from the highway cabinet to more of a Bally Williams widebody cabinet, super pin style, mm-hmm. I guess. And also needed to square away the license with uh, with Fox or Disney now for Alien because it's no longer current. They'd have to renew it. Right. Um, I personally don't think this makes any sense. I don't understand why Chicago, let me rephrase, let me phrase it a different way. I don't understand why Chicago gaming would, for their first wide body pin, do Alien with such a small market base built in. The thing that they, and the reason my logic on this is, I could see why Pinball Brothers would want to do it. So I see that side. This seems more plausible than the Dutch pinball stuff to me. Mm -hmm. But where the idea to me kind of falls down is there are a whole bunch of super pins from the 90s that people, there's a, they're high cost and there's, it would be a lot of, a lot of demand for based off of people remembering from the Bally Williams years. That's entirely what Chicago gaming has relied on. So. I mean, not Popeye, of course, but you've got Star Trek Next Gen, you've got Twilight Zone, you've got Indiana Jones Pinball Adventure. Those are super pins that people really, really love. They have licensor challenges of a variety. Um, I don't know if Star Trek Next Gen would actually be that difficult to do. I don't think it was all that expensive for Pinball Arcade to do that one, whereas I think it was hard to get... Well, who is it? Rod Sterling from Twilight Zone. They're like, he could, right. they couldn't get his likeness easily. Uh, Indiana Jones might have, but, but huge demand for those games. Alien, you have to do the license negotiation and a lot of people have never tried it. So you've got a big audience that doesn't know if they'd like it. They don't. And they I, so I, plus you've got the issue of people who didn't get their pin from Alien being mad at Chicago gaming for not giving them what they are owed from the company. Because remember, Highway Pinball got taken over by Pinball Brothers. Pinball Brothers transferred almost all of the assets over and then went into administration on the company. So when it came time to count Highway's assets, there was very little in the bank of anything. And the chief creditor listed was was Pinball Brothers. And Pinball Brothers shipped a number of pins when they were running Highway. But it's very easy to get a vibe when you look at how they did it, that they just waited out basically the statute of limitations on the asset transfers and then killed the company off. That's exactly what they did. Yeah. So given that, I think 
This is again, much like working with Dutch where because of the burn on customers, it's a little cleaner in that a lot of people will only think highway and they won't think pinball brothers because they don't know, but that it's one of those third rail things. Yeah. Maybe this is a third rail that's not always electrified. I'm not sure how to describe it, but I just don't see the value in Chicago gaming doing that. The only thing that would make it attractive to them is the current use price on aliens is ridiculously high, but. I think the only thing that really makes sense to me on this is if it's a contracted production. Yeah, I can. where they're just like, like, oh yeah, oh you'll you'll pay us this to run the machines off for you, fine. And maybe that, and maybe that would be what this rumor is is tying to. But I still, I don't know. I the game needs to be redesigned. Setting aside my issues with its layout, it breaks a lot. So they're going to have to re-engineer a lot of stuff because, I mean, the magnet on the xenomorph tongue thing has fallen off all over the place. It's it's very homebrew-esque in its quality. So that's just a lot of stuff if they they want it to be up to their standard that they would need to re-engineer, basically. So anyway, it's just a rumor. So I thought, okay, that might happen. I don't know. I don't, I won't put odds on it other than I think it's unlikely to be true, but I think it's more likely than seeing Dutch succeed. So it's, there's hope in this. If you want to trust to hope, I guess I wouldn't, I don't feel too bad if you want to latch onto this one, but I just, to me, it doesn't make a lot of business sense for Chicago gaming to do this, but whatever. Yeah, it doesn't. I agree with you. So what does make sense is before we go to video games to play a game of 20 questions, Tony, the hit game you did. Pretty good last time. I took your favorite game, as you may recall, Attack from Mars. And it took me far too long to get. It only took you 10 guesses. So for those of you who don't know, who are new to the show, what we do on 20 Questions is Tony will ask me a series of yes or no questions. This will be about a pinball machine. It will be a flipper pinball machine. It will be a pinball machine that he has played before. I will answer yes or no to those questions. After the 15th question, so as of question 16, he may turn to online resources to help him for his final few questions. And we go till 20. And if he doesn't get it on the 20th, it's a fail. That's only ever happened once. And here comes two. No, no. I believe, so. I believe in you, Tony. I believe in you. And I will keep count so you can go ahead and, and ask your first question whenever you are ready. Is it an EM? No. Does it have a DMD? No. Does it have an LCD? No. Is it from 80 to 85? Yes. Is it by Bally? Yes. That's question five. Is it from 80 to 82? Yes. Does it have more than two flippers? Yes. Um, I got a game stuck in my head, but I don't think it's from that time period. I can't get it out. Um, does it have a magnet? No. Is it from 81? Yes. Now, you see, this would be the exciting part, Tony, because now, based off of everything you've narrowed it down, you could guess all of the possible games and get it before 20. Except, there's a problem with that. No, there's no problem. Do it. There is a problem with that. Do it. Do it. There isn't one problem with that. What's the problem? I don't have all the games from the class of 81 memorized. Oh. But you might have most of them memorized. And maybe it's one of those. Is it 1812? No. Trying to remember. And that was question 10, by the way. Okay. 
See, this is where we run in. This is where where I, I say we. Yes, the this, royal we. This is where I run into the problem because the stuff I memorize compared to the stuff you memorize, because I know at this point you'd have a real easy time with it because probably you have yeah, probably. the games memorized. And I'm sitting here going like, oh, I remember like one of them, maybe, and I like three others that might be, but I think they might be from later. I don't remember for sure. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, then that means, in my view, you have two options. You either continue to, like you just did on your last question, pop in games and hope that right. it's one of them, or you need something else to try and narrow it down with. I know. But we know how well the narrowing it down has worked for me in the past. Because normally I'd, I'd go after like theme thoughts, but that's kind of backfired on me l- lately. So I've been trying to steer away from that into something that's a little bit more concrete. You right, know what I mean? right. Yeah, I know. I understand. I'm just trying to... Is it a Richie game? No. Like how I put that one in there to use one question to ask two questions. Uh, uh, that was all. That's quality. It was clever. No, I'll, I'll, I'm going to weigh in on that cleverness when we're done. But, <laughs> but I don't want to ruin the excitement. There's so much tension right now. It'd be even more clever if I'd memorized these games beforehand. Um. Now, you've got the manufacturer. You've got the year. You have a key layout component known. Yes. You've ruled out a designer. I've got two key kit layout that, components known. That's true. And you've got two designers eliminated. Mm-hmm. So there are multiple angles you could approach this from. The problem is, is I literally cannot remember any game. Hmm. I cannot I mean, I can think of a lot of games that are from that era, but I don't remember. And that's the thing is I know there were a lot of good games that came out that year. There's a reason it, 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 it's such a popular Right, thing. right. Uh, well, and given this case, I think my suggestion to you would be to use theme at this point because it seems like I don't know what else is going to help you then. Yeah, I don't know either. That's and, the problem. And you'll just have to take the chance and then be mad if I... If your definition of the theme is different than mine, I'll I'll try and use Tony logic. But. <laughs> All right. Well, does it have a space theme? Yes. Is it is it space shuttle? No. I don't know if that's the right year on that one, but I know it's somewhere in there. Give or take five years. Is it space station? No. There we go. That's the one I was thinking of originally. Does it have aliens in the art? Yes. That is question 15. You may use resources. <sighs> hmm. Okay. Interesting. Is it Flash Gordon? Yes. Okay. 16th question. Okay. That so. wasn't on my list. That wasn't in my mental list. Hmm. Embryon was. Okay. Okay, well, Embryon would have met, met some of those definitions as well. Probably yes. Pretty much all of them, I think. I'm not sure on the flipper count. I think it's more than two, though. Uh, it's, I, I, yeah, no, I said, yeah, it was four flippers. Okay. So, in terms of Flash Gordon, Bally 1981 game, uh, 
what uh, what's his name uh the hawk guy voltan yeah uh, what not is in the back glass and the emperor ming who is also not human is on the play field so yep. alien in the art um well ipdb it ipdb references it as a fictional character theme they do have to go to outer space and visit a variety of planets so mm-hmm. i felt that would qualify as a space theme definition uh and it has no magnet and it has three flippers so it had more than two flippers and the designer was uh, Claude Fernandez, who used to work for Williams briefly. And see, my, see, here, I was thinking on on on, on Flash Gordon. Uh huh. I was thinking eighty two. Oh, okay. I was like almost convinced it was eighty two. Okay. It is one of, if not the highest production game of eighty one. I don't know if it was more than Eight Ball Deluxe or not, but it's up there with ten thousand units. Yeah. Uh, in terms of your other game guesses, they were all too modern. Okay. I'd wonder. Space Shuttle was your closest. That's 84. See. But it's not a Bally. That was Williams. This is before they were merged. Right. And then Space Station is a System 11 game, so it's even later than Space Shuttle. Then 1812 or Class of 1812 is a Gottlieb premiere game from 91. It was just before they went to DMDs. And also is only a two flipper game, I believe. So, uh, and then your, your Richie question to eliminate both Mark and Steve Richie. Mark and Steve Richie never worked for Bally. See. At least Steve didn't. I, not a hundred percent sure on Mark until they, of course, were in WMS, but they're on the Williams side. Uh, so they weren't with it when it was Bally standalone. So there was that aspect as well. And I think that pretty much. Hits on everything that you brought up in terms of yeah. your questioning. So. No, like I said a lot of this is simply because I don't have the I don't have the and, knowledge. And so, yet. but so people know you have played it a lot. I have played it a lot, a lot. So. Now I'm I'm I did not I did not name either of these games, but there were two games that I thought, but I wasn't positive were in this list mm-hmm. that were in this list because Centaur and Embryon were the were, were the two that kept yep. coming into my head. Yep. And um, in terms of now, Centaur I believe is a two flipper layout, not a three Correct. or more. So that would have, in my mind, I would have disqualified that because of your flipper question. Mm-hmm. Embryon would have been an excellent guess. It actually met all of your criteria. And the reason I Embryon was so much in my mind is because last time we were up at Todd's, I played it like nine mm. times. Yeah, and the reason why I made my remark about you being able to. After a set point, once you had 81 in Bally, I sh- yeah. there are only seven games left. I just didn't and, know them. And you were you were so far away still, you could have, could have just gone through them all. If I'd known them all. That was my problem. All right, so now that I've had people screaming at me for my lack of knowledge. No. And my my how much of a plebe I am when it comes to... The, the deep knowledge that is what brings everybody here because of your personal deep knowledge. I'm sure no one got it right. Yeah, right. I'm sure no I'm, one got it right. You're, you're sure no one got it right, like eight questions in. Mm. Everybody's screaming at me. Um, we're going to go ahead and segue on to the video game section. Uh, not a whole lot. Uh, huge. Just... Follow up on a couple of things we've touched on this year uh, with one big item. I'm going to keep the big item for last. Okay. Um, 
earlier in the year, especially right at the end of last year, beginning of the year, we talked about uh, the Elite Dangerous community was doing their big across uh, the universe giant group thing. Yeah, it's you... over. It oh, finished. Okay. It finished about the same time E3 was. That's why we haven't really talked about it. Before oh, okay. Now. Uh, because, you know, we were dealing with E3 and then dealing with the let's not talk about video games post E3 funk. Right. And, uh, uh, so we're going to talk about it real quick. Um, uh, there was a very, one of the forums, uh, posted a final infographic and we've got a link to it in the show notes that kind of tells you a lot about it. But the interesting things are there was originally, 13,000 players who started the run, more than 13,000 actually, but of those, the the only 3,747 finished the journey. Okay. Um, Every ship type in the game that's possible for somebody to play in that game, including the starter ship, the ship that you get for free when you first start the game, Took part. Uh, somebody flew at least one of all of those ships. In all actuality, the starter ship had 66 of them started. And two of them made it to the end. Mm. There's only one class of ship that none of them survived all the way to the end. Okay. And the numbers that I find the actual most interesting are the uh, platforms. Because it's a multi-platform game. So... When they departed, uh, originally there were 10,663 PC players involved, 1,584 Xbox One players involved, 1,365 PS4 players involved. Actually finishing the run was 3,042 PC players, 363 PS4 players, and 342 Xbox One players. So pretty hefty drop-offs. All across the board, which isn't a surprise. And uh, I said we'd have the link to that infographic. It's really well done. Uh, looks real nice. It has lots of just fun information into it. Yep. Um, and we're going to go ahead and segue while staying in space here. Uh, last episode, we talked about the CCP and Eve and their new mm-hmm. AIs and that have been hidden stuff. Yeah, NullSec. Uh, they've made another change to NullSec. Now, this NullSec change is one that I was part of uh, doing some survey work for, not survey work, but answering surveys and answering questions and stuff when they originally talked about this like a decade ago. The way communications in EVE works is when you go into a system, there is a chat with a list of everybody on chat who's in the system and you can look at them and it'll tell you, you know, what they're flying. It won't tell you where they are, but it'll tell you what they're flying, what corps they're with, just give you all their general information, which meant in high sec and null sec that you have a ready um, intelligence bonanza. So when somebody or a large group of somebody's appears in system, you have all that intelligence so if, you know, somebody pops in and they're in a freighter, you're like, hey, Bob's here with the freighter. And if suddenly chat has 50 extra people here and they're all in battleships and carriers and, and super carriers and stuff like that, you're like, hey, there's a giant raiding force here. And they groups of people actually put together um, 
third-party applications that would go through the chat and would pop up and give you intelligence and stuff. So, like, if you're in the system and you're not paying attention and 70 people jumped in the system, it would give you a big ding. Right. And it would let okay. you know that, hey, there's a raid going on or there's this or that. Uh, and But there is a third section of space in EVE, wormhole space. And that's where I actually spent the vast majority of my time the last uh, few years I played EVE was in wormhole space. And in wormhole space, there is no chat. You can chat. You don't know if there's anybody in the system with you. There's no information. The only way to know is if you're in system and somebody chats in the system, it will appear. But if you weren't there when that person chatted, you won't see anything. And even when it does appear, you don't have any information on it. Not even their ship? Not their ship. You don't have nothing. You have just their name and what they said. Well, they just stripped chat from NullSec. So, NullSec chat is gone completely. It's now just like Wormhole. Okay. So, people can talk and you'll see their name and that's it. And that's it. You have none of the information. You can't just watch the chat to see a whole bunch of people jump into chat. So, they've completely stripped all of the intelligence that is been used by these major corps in NullSec for their major wars and everything since the beginning of the game. It's all been stripped out. Hmm. Now, unlike the changes with the drifters attacking structures and this and that, this is something that's been talked about for years. It's been run through the uh, uh, council. Uh, I don't remember the proper name of it right off the top of my head now. But they've talked to the council about it because there's actually elected players who serve on an advisory council to CCP. Ah, okay. And they've talked about it. So this wasn't a surprise that came out of nowhere that nobody had seen before. It's stuff that had been talked about. But now that it's happened, it's a thing to see how the corporations are going to react to such major changes in the game. And CCP has already said that if there are problems, they'll roll this back. Hmm. Okay. But... Given the PvP nature of that area, I think it makes sense to remove it. But yeah, it, as an outsider, my even even most even not all, but most of the players that I've seen, I'd say we're running a strong sixty forty split are for it. Okay, from what I've seen, including the heads, uh, uh, the head of the largest corporation, Eve thinks it's great. Hmm. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Right. I think I think for a game as old as Eve is, that is as player driven as Eve is, making these changes to try and keep their player base engaged is a good idea. So, and we'll bounce off to our last thing: the light switch. Click, click, click. Does click. it look like a light switch? It well, some of the colors are kind of yellow okay. and turquoise <laughs> and and. And, and, and very pastels. They're they're going heavy. Nintendo's going heavy on the pastels with this one. Mm. They have officially unveiled the Switch Lite, uh, which it's not a surprise. We've known this was coming. Uh, they've talked about it before that they would be making a a, a a smaller version, and there's and there's been rumors about it. And there's been rumors about a more powerful version of the Switch. But here, the 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 Switch Lite is they've dumped all the information and everything out on it. So, what we do know, it is a dedicated handheld device. 
it can't be hooked up to your TV. You can't put it into your, into a docking station so it goes to the TV. The, the controls are physically part of it. They're not removable like the Joy-Cons on the regular, uh, Switch. Okay. Um, it is coming, uh, on September 20th. The price point is $199.99. This is like a $100 savings? It's $100 less than the regular Switch. What's telling is that's the exact same price of a current brand new 3DS XL. And I think this will finally end all of the thoughts that the 3DSs aren't being abandoned. Well, that's been your speculation since the Switch was announced, was that this was going to replace, displace the portable right. because it does both. And the fact that they've not announced any new And that's what has 3DS made me think you're right, was the fact year. that there are no, there's basically no new 3DS games coming out. Right. So given that, yeah, it seems like it is it is being phased out. Yeah, and I think this... Pretty much guarantees that. Yeah, because this is only portable. Right. Um, it has a slightly smaller screen than the regular Switch. It's, uh, in, the regular Switch is a 6.2 inch screen. This is only has a 5.5 inch screen. So it's about the same as your average phone, uh, unless you've got one of those enormous phones, mm. but you're the normal kind of standard phone size is the, is the screen you're looking at. It's got the same resolution of 720p. That the Switch has in handheld mode. It's supposed to have slightly improved battery life. I assume because of the smaller screen. Yeah, the, I... the smaller screen and adjustments to like electronics layouts oh, okay. inside. Giving it uh, less issues with like heat and stuff. Uh, is what I've heard. But they're still talking. It's three to seven hours depending upon the game. How mm. stressful the game you're playing is. Um it will have some restrictions on games that are playable. You can only play games that are playable in handheld mode. Okay. Uh, because there are some games that have come out for Switch that you, you have to play them on a TV. Any major games? No. Okay. Not that I can think of. Um, yeah, not, not, that, not, not that I can really think of. I know there's some out there. But it's not like not like Zelda or any of okay. the others that I have. Um, but it will be compatible with all controllers, even though you can't take off the. You can't take off the ones that are on it. You can still connect a different set of Joy Cons oh. to it. All right, you can connect. So you can because because it's all wireless. You can wirelessly connect your Joy Cons to it. You can wirelessly connect your Pro controller to it, or your 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 Pokeball controller, or whatever it is. It'll still work with all of those. Um, so, I personally don't really see the point of this machine at all, except for maybe like when they rolled out the 2DS where that was aimed primarily at children. Yeah, I that's where I would assume. That I see two things. One would be, uh, it sounds like it will be sturdier, given that oh, you can't lose the Joy-Cons. They're right. built into it. It's slightly smaller. So for people who want something that's highly portable and have found the regular Switch a bit cumbersome also, this might be an angle there. And then the price point. So for people, uh, maybe those on lower income spectrums that mm-hmm. struggle to get new consoles, this might get a bunch of people to go ahead and, and jump. I mean, Switch was already... Very affordable as a new right. console. Now that you've got it down at this rate as an option, though, $200, the, 
becomes achievable for a lot more people as a gift or something. Right. So, that becomes a lot easier yeah. for, hey, Merry Christmas. Right. Now, in terms of, from in my head, I imagine most of these will go to kids uh, and possibly those who are highly oriented towards wanting a replacement for a 3DS. Yeah. But I think most people would still rather pay $100 more and get the tremendous flexibility gains that you get. Because I know so many people who praise the the docked version as well. And right, and and I play almost exclusively docked. Mm-hmm. And, but, I mean, I've but I know there are some people who, but, who play primarily handheld. But again, most of those people already own Switch. So right, I said, I and, and my kids they play. I mean, because my oldest daughter has her own Switch. My youngest daughter uses my Switch to play games, and they'll play handheld sometimes. But normally they'll play they'll they'll play docked mm-hmm. too. So it's just one of those things that I think. It'll be interesting to see how it... I don't think it's going to ever match the no, regular Switch It's itself. not going to displace the main Switch skew, but it, I, I wouldn't I be surprised if this does okay. I think, it'll do, I think it'll do fine. I think it'll be a good little niche. Now, what is uh, interesting is besides they're having a, a yellow, a turquoise, another color that I don't remember. They're all pastels. They're also releasing a special Pokemon Sword and Shield edition. That is white and has uh, outlines of the new of the mascot legendaries from the new Pokemon game. Mm. But because this comes out on September twentieth, and the new Pokemon game doesn't come out until November, it costs the exact same as any of the other versions because it doesn't come with Pokemon. You'll still have to go buy the Pokemon uh, game separently uh, when it comes out. It would have been nice if it at least came with like a code to let you download it or something. Yeah, when it does come out or something. We promise it's coming here. Right. So, but then they'd have to move the price point up. They'd move the price point up from $199 to $250. Yeah. So, it'll be interesting. I'm interested to see the talk of a more capable Switch. Yeah, I don't, I just don't know if Nintendo's going to do. Uh, pull a Sony and Microsoft and do an incremental mid-cycle They've upgrade. They've done it. They've done it for years. They started it in their on their handheld market because they had. You started with the 3DS, then you got the th- or yeah, you started with the 3DS, and you got the 3DS XL, and then you got the new 3DS and the new 3DS XL, which was literally just an upgrade. It looked, I, the, they looked identical to the old 3DSs, except for the old 3DS games wouldn't play them. Wouldn't play new 3DS games. Yeah. Because it was just a straight up upgrade. It would play the older games, but the, it, but the older machines couldn't play the newer games. And, but otherwise they looked alike. Cause we ran into that issue with my daughter wanted a couple games and it's like, well, they won't play on your 3DS because you, you don't have a new 3DS. And that was their See, literal naming was, I, it's the new 3DS. So I don't know if they, if they as a company had a good experience with the confusion that caused. See, that's the thing that the, the PS4 Pro, Xbox One X have avoided full. All games work on the older versions. Right. They made sure all you did was get performance improvements, better graphics, or at the very least load times. Uh, so outside of that, I think it makes more sense to release a new unit, a new console. And, and Nintendo, hopefully after the Wii U, has definitely learned. And give it a dramatically different name so people don't get mixed up. Yeah. Wii U. 
Like, yeah. And uh, Nintendo's been real bad about it. Yeah, because it went from the yeah. DS to the 3DS to the new 3DS and the new 3DS XI and the 2DS that were all out at the exact same time. Yeah, like time. 2DS. I mean, I get it because it's like, well, it doesn't do the 3 But it's like, yeah, but it's a 2 instead of a 3. It sounds like that it's the old unit. Right. It was confusing to me when I read about it. And it basically just lost the 3D capability. Right. And it was... And it... Was much tougher. It was designed more for kids, but that yeah, it would have been great for me. That that, that also made it larger. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll see. And the Wii and the Wii U, yeah, no. But Nintendo needs help with their something. naming that. and with their online presence. Sure, and their um, how they throw like content strikes at the community that actually hurts their brand. It's yeah, I they. They have, you know, they're doing okay, but they, yeah, they do struggle in a variety of areas. And, but I think that this, uh, with it not being ultra disrupt, I mean, other than the handheld only mandate on some of those few games that are impacted, uh, I don't think this would be very disruptive or confusing to people. And it keeps them in a way hardware wise in the public eye as we are approaching the holiday season of next year where we're going to have new units from Sony and Microsoft new actual new generation so yeah um and nintendo i don't think is ready for that yet given how late the switch came out yeah so there's no way that they they still want to maintain a certain level of presence and and you know competitive edge versus the versus those new behemoths when they hit well i think that's everything well, that does appear to be everything that i have for myself. Okay, well, I'm done too. So for those that want to reach out to us, you can always email us eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com. We're on the web at eclecticgamers.com. You can also find us at facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast. We're on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter as eclectic underscore gamers. And we'll be back in two weeks. Until then, I am Dennis. And I am Tony. Goodbye. Bye.